another dollar, I guess you could say. But I'm super excited for this week, though, specifically because we had the one and only Siddharth Sharma coming on the show from the one and only The Way Home yes. on Peacock and Hallmark. Yes. I mean, this thing is a huge hit. Unexpected because nobody's like, wait, what? It's a Hallmark show? But it's huge. It's huge on Hallmark. Like you said, it's huge on Peacock. This thing is killing it. And Siddharth is a reason why. This guy's a phenomenal young actor and just a phenomenal young man. Uh, This was a really fun interview. We kind of dove into all different kinds of stuff in all different areas. We get deep. We get funny. We get crazy. It's like, yeah, this one's a blast, man. It's going to be real fun. Yes, all you fellow filmmakers out there are going to really enjoy this one because he is a fellow filmmaker himself. Yes. So to be able to talk about the nitty-gritty of everything is freaking fantastic. But yes, I'm super excited for the interview, but that is later on the show. Now, let's get a little crazy. Hello, everyone. So you want to start a podcast but have no idea where to start? Well, Crazy Ant Media is here to help you. We want to assist you finding your VFE. What's VFE, you ask? Well, that is your voice, your format, and your equipment. These are the three biggest essentials you need to start your podcast. All those hours watching nonstop YouTube videos or all those random website links, those are done. Just hop on a Zoom call with us and we'll talk about everything you need to know to create your own podcast and find your voice. Plus, we will send you home with a 12 page packet over everything we just discussed it's very in-depth it is definitely a must need while trying to start your first podcast contact us at info at crazyantmedia.com today so that you can start finding your podcast voice for tomorrow what's up guys oh my goodness episode 247 of it cap podcast you guys know your host with the most for 247 episodes (laughs) the one and only j-lo fantastic and the one and only mal what's up how's it going boy boy feeling good feeling good you know just something about show days is just i feel like nothing can get under my skin nothing yeah. can put me in a bad mood yeah I just i love everything about them me too my man it, it's like one of my favorite days of the week by far uh just uh, you gear it up we get to talk about what we love we get to have fantastic interviews get to talk some movies that are coming out movies that we've seen maybe like like how can you not love it it's it's so pumped up man it's so pumped up exactly pump up the jam oh my goodness i'm super excited about it but before teasing the rest of this show of course be sure to leave a rating on this podcast comment below and tell us what you actually think about it cat podcast because (laughs) when you do that it helps the show get seen by more people who enjoy entertainment news but especially those who enjoy the entertainment industry yes that's what this show is all about lending the helping hand to the up-and-comers trying to break into hollywood that's what we're here, man. That's what we're here for. Uh, but man, oh man, it's going to be a great freaking week because we're going to be just talking all about the Oscars. That's right. The Oscar nominations came out. Have you seen any of them? Have you not? Are they on your list? Who knows? But we'll be talking about all the good things, the bad, the snubs. It's going to be absolutely a wild. For but sure. Man, oh man. Be sure to visit our website. 
before we jump into this thing because right now we have a 20% off our uh, merchandise right now in our shop. So be sure to check that out. I actually just picked up something today myself. So you will actually see some new merchandise designs worn by yours truly in there the upcoming go. weeks. And I'm really excited about it, man, because I was really excited about making that design. So <laughs> oh, it's going to be a great freaking show a great freaking design but like i said 20 percent off and that's why you got to follow us at crazy Ant media and at itcap podcast to know when we have promotional sales going on yes so we're going to be talking all about the oscars of course this is the best season to be alive um honestly it's my favorite and i got started Obviously, before the nominations came out, we went and saw a whole bunch of movies we thought were going to be Oscar contenders, but I got started last night with all of the other stuff. And it's weird because I always start with live action short films. I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's kind of just my ease in thing, ease in way to starting to watch as many as I can. Yeah. Um, but as you know, it is Hollywood's award season. And this week, we're dedicating our entire industry news exclusively to the 2024 Oscar nominations. And this year's nominees were unveiled this week, and Oppenheimer leads the pack. Oh, but I mean, that's by no surprise, yeah. especially if you've been listening to us talk the past couple weeks. This film nabbed about a total of 13 nominations, followed by Poor Things with 11 nominations, Killers of the Flower Moon with about 10, and Barbie with 8. Mm. Now, all films will complete uh, or will compete for the best picture this year. Among those setting the record for their nominations were Lily Gladstone, who is the first Native American acting nominee and at the 81, um, Martin Scorsese himself made history by becoming the oldest directing nominee. Mm. And I also think he is the most nominated director now as well. So yep. that's really exciting. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And I mean, of course, it wouldn't be the Academy Award nominations without a few shockers in the mix. You know, they got to mix up that margarita a little bit. And this year is no exception. May, December's Charles Melton's uh, acclaimed for his work as a man whose life becomes a tabloid folder. And Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, ah, nothing. They were completely overlooked. Yep. And the biggest controversy, though, has to be... Margot Robbie missing out on a competitive Best Actress lineup while Greta Gerwig was also shut out for Best Director. Now, the powerhouse duo responsible for the biggest movie of the year found love in other categories, though. Robbie is included in this film, or in the film's Best Picture nomination as a producer, and Gerwig saw her screenplay, also co-written with Noah Bombach, recognized. We'll talk all about that in just a minute, but just first, let's talk about all of the nominees in each category. Yeah, let's dive right in. Uh, and, you know, we're going to kind of lay these out just like they did, guys. So to be prepared, they're all over the place. Actress in a supporting role, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Nyad, and Devine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. That is going to be a competitive freaking category right there i'm just saying very very and i mean speaking of competitive categories costume design i know not a lot of, a lot of people think about this as a big rah rah one but i mean this past year there was a lot of period pieces there and was period pieces you got to be historically accurate 
And, you know, I mean, some Barbie. Of course, that, <laughs> that was nominated for costume design, as well as Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Mm, yeah, that, that will be a tough one. Uh, sound, which we all know, it's pretty hard. We don't, we don't do silent films anymore. They're talkies, guys. Big explosions, all kinds of things. Sound, very important. This year, they were nominated for The Creator, Maestro, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Oppenheimer, and The Zone of Interest. Mm. I all mean, good Maestro. Things, man. <laughs> all good things. I'm just saying, I mean, <laughs> but Oppenheimer did blow up a bomb. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's just... And for original score, we have American Fiction, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, mm. Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Thing. Woof. Adapted screenplay, and here's a little bit of the controversy. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but this one, this category is some controversial uh, stuff. Adapted screenplay, American fiction, Barbie, ding, 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 there's the controversy, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Yes, yes, and original screenplay nominees are uh, Anatomy of a Fall, mm-hmm. The Holdovers, Maestro, May, December, and Past Lives. Live action short film, The After, Invincible, Night of Fortune, Red, White, and Blue, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Yes, yes. I watched two of those last night and uh, both completely different than each other. Uh, We can talk more about it a little bit later. Um, Animated short film category with the nominees are Letter to a Pig, 95 Senses, Our Uniform, um, the war, war is over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. Mm. And what the fuck is that? I'm pachyderm. 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 There you go. Sure. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll with it. Let's roll with it. Uh, actor in a supporting role, and this one got a surprise nomination. I think people didn't see it coming, but he was happy. I'm talking about Mr. Sterling K. Brown himself for American Fiction got the nod. Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon. RDJ for Oppenheimer. Ryan Gosling for Barbie. And Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. So there you go. Mm. All good. All good. An original song, the nominees were The Fire Inside from Flaming Hot, I'm Just Ken from Barbie, It Never Went Away from American Symphony, Wazar He, a song for my people from Killers of the Flower Moon, and What Was I Made For from Barbie. Mm, mm. Documentary feature film, the nominees are Bobby Wine, The People's President, The Eternal Memory, Four Daughters, To Kill a Tiger, and 20 Days in Maripol. Mm. 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 Those all all sound interesting. Yeah. Right. Uh, Documentary short film, the nominees are The ABC's A Book Banning, Mm. The Barber of Little Rock, Island in Between, The Last Repair Shop, and Nahi Nahi Wopo. (laughs) very good all right that was that was that was nice that was nice you think of the barber of little rock he cut clinton's hair i don't know i mean maybe maybe we gotta we gotta watch that to find out i'm just curious international feature film here we go lo capitano from italy 
Perfect Days from Japan, Society of the Snow from Spain, The Teacher's Lounge from Germany, and The Zone of Interest from United Kingdom, of course, the UK. Um, yeah, wow, those those weren't relatively simple to pronounce for foreign uh, films, international films. I got lucky yes. right there because... Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, animated feature film, the nominees are The Boy and the Heron, mm. Elemental, Pneumonia, Robot Dreams, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ooh, that's my favorite. I'm pulling for it. I'm pulling for it. Makeup and hairstyling. Golda, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Society in the Snow. That is going to be a tough one. I'm just saying. For sure. For sure. Production design. The nominees are Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Napoleon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Mm -hmm. Film editing, always critically important, always critically important. Anatomy of a Fall, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Are you guys seeing a theme here with some of the nominees? Yeah, yeah, you are. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the cinematography category, the nominees are El Conde, hmm. Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. Oof. Visual effects, the creator... Godzilla minus one, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, which I guess it's still being called that for the Oscars, <laughs> but it's not called that anymore. Just Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning for anybody who's trying to find it to watch it, uh, and Napoleon. So uh, oof, that'll be a tough one too. For sure, for sure, yeah. Because there's a scene in Napoleon if you haven't seen it yet, to where like they are. Um, Get what fucking city it is but they're literally burning the whole city mm. um it looks pretty freaking crazy wow um actor in a lead role the category um the nominees are bradley cooper for maestro coleman domingo for rustin that guy's everywhere by he's the way. killing it man. Our industry news like doesn't have anything else about the oscars but that guy's everywhere right now um paul giamatti for the holdovers killian murphy for oppenheimer and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. That is going to be a tough category. That is a tough category. And yeah, you're right. If you guys if you guys weren't paying attention, you weren't out there, we'll just give you a real quick clue what Logan was talking about, Coleman Domingo. Not only was it announced that he's going to play Joe Jackson in the Michael Jackson biopic, but then he's also going to play Nat King Cole in the biopic. And he's producing it, I guess, and he's like all behind that one making it happen. So dude is freaking every. And of course, there's still the rumors going around that he might replace... Um, that guy for Kang. So I mean, yeah. you know, hey, good for him, man. Rock and roll, my friend. Let's not have anything Seriously. in the closet, though. Okay, let's just. Yeah. <laughs> please, please. Uh, actress in a leading role. This one's going to be a toughie too. Annette Benning for Niad. Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Sandra Hewler for Anatomy of a Fall. Carrie Mulligan for Maestro. And Emma Stone for Poor Things. Man, yeah. Oh man. Um. Now to uh, some of the biggest categories: directing. Uh, we're gonna go with uh, Justine Tritt for Anatomy of a Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of a Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Yargos Lanthamos for uh, Four Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. Mm, this is a this is a controversial one. We're gonna be talking about it. We're gonna be talking about it. Best picture here we go this is the biggies guys american fiction 
Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. That is some serious films. That's a serious category. Three of those films, guys, directed by women. Let's just dive into it. Let's start talking about it. But if you noticed when we said directing category, only Justine Triette from Anatomy of a Fall was nominated. How do you how, how do you have yeah. Best Picture nominees and not nominated? We we talk about this all the time, but I I have to I just I want to say this because it it's baffling to me. If you nominate actors from the film, you nominate you know cinematography. You nominate editing, and then you nominate best the film as a best picture. How do you not nominate the director? The director is the captain of the ship, y'all. He works with the editor for editing. He works with the casting director for casting. He works with the production designer for the look of the film and with the cinematographer for how it's shot. He is literally the captain. So if you nominate all of his mates... How the fuck do you not nominate the director? So when people are saying Greta Gerwig wasn't snubbed and all, yes, she fucking was. Her her script was nominated. Her film was nominated. Her actor was nominated. Hello? None of that happens without Greta. Greta should be fucking nominated. I'm just going to go on the record and say I think that if your picture is nominated for Best Picture, you should automatically get the nod for Best Director nomination. It just makes sense to me. All the rest of it, no, if you don't want to automatically categorize actors and actresses or you don't automatically want to categorize, you know, the editor, whatever. But it should be a a no-brainer and a given that if your picture is nominated for Best Picture, the director automatically gets the nomination for Best Director. It just seems like that's the right thing to do for me. Are you saying that it's the Best Picture and everything in it is great, but the director was it sucked? I mean, I don't, I don't get that. I just don't get that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't know if it's um, more if the I mean, we've obviously seen it. And I mean, over the past couple of years, they've always been getting hit with it. It's is it the wokeness? Like, is it because they're trying to establish a certain demographic as far as the nominees? Um, because if you go up there and look the not for directing, but for um actress and well actress in a supporting role is very diverse there's two white women two black women and one latina woman um but as far as lead role i'm trying to get to it but i'm wondering if you know it was that like i wonder if they decided to go in a different direction because they're trying to be more inclusive but um carrie mulligan emma stone um annette benning all white lily gladstone uh native american Chandra Hewler, uh, I wonder what ethnicity she is, but I mean, like, I just, were they trying to make sure that they were meeting quotas? Like, I just, I don't understand. Um, I don't, she's well, a German actress and she's white. Okay. So I'm, yeah, I don't know. I really don't understand. And then, yeah, with directing, like, there's only one woman nominated for directing. That's what I'm saying. And, yeah, like, it just... I just... I think I the know. argument that they would make with it. the directing is they had two legends, right? Scorsese yeah. and Nolan. And Nolan has been ignored by the Academy 
throughout the years, even though his shit has, has been brilliant. So I feel like they were coming at it going, well, we can't not put Scorsese because he's a fucking legend. And we can't keep ignoring Nolan because Oppenheimer was like maybe the greatest film ever made now. So and then so we can't bump those two. But we also can't bump uh, Lanthimos because Poor Things was like one of the most unique films we've ever seen. So they were probably going, which two guys do we dump to nominate these other two women? And they're looking at it going, fuck. So then my next thing would be, if we can nominate 10 movies for Best Picture, why can't we just throw a couple more into Best Director? Just fucking make it equal. If you've got 10 Best Pictures, give us 10 Best Director nominees. And they should be the directors of the 10 Best Pictures. It just makes sense to me. I, I don't I don't get it, man. I just don't I fucking get like it. I feel like for any of the categories that have specific, like, a person getting nominated, even supporting roles, Best Actress, Best Actor, um, as far as supporting and, obviously, main, I feel like it should be 10 because i mean that's not necessarily going to make the show go on any longer and you know that would be their argument sure i wouldn't think i mean you would have to say you know a couple more names for each category and not even each category each category that is individually based for specific people um so i just you know i think that's what you'll have to do i feel like 10 is a good number because there needs to be more people on these lists because you're right i mean how does ryan gosling get nominated for barbie and then like you said margo and greta not get nominated for barbie how does that make any sense i'm I'm baffled by that because not only ryan gosling but america ferrera so you're telling me your two supporting people got nominated but the lead of the movie and who the movie's fucking all about didn't yeah. get nominated. It makes no. It's like I know people kind of. I personally like if a movie sweeps all the categories. I think it says that was a badass fucking movie and it won everything. But I don't understand because we've seen this in years past where you will see best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best cinematographer, best editor, best picture, and then the director doesn't get it. Yeah, And I'm like, how the fuck does that happen? Or all of that gets it, and the director gets it, and then the movie doesn't win Best Picture. So how are you telling me you have all the best performances, the best editing, the best cinematography, the best directing, but the movie wasn't the best? How does that happen? I just... I don't understand. If you're going to line up, if you know the votes are coming in and you're telling me that it's all the actors, it's all the actresses, it's all the uh, cinematographer, it's the director, just fucking say it. That was the best movie. That's going to be your winner. There's no... It, it shouldn't... I, I, I get it. I get that they're trying to be fair. I get that they're trying to be non-biased. But you can't tell me that every single thing is the best and then that movie that all of that was in is not the best. <laughs> It's like, Agreed. that makes no sense. I just think they have to look at it and start really diving in and going, what can we do differently on how we submit this to the voters? What should we make the rules of when they're voting for these things? Because clearly right. something has to change somewhere. Because you're right. I think you're, are they, are they, telling people to vote based because they're trying to meet quotas are they actually do the members place all their votes and then some committee decides well i know they voted for this but we're gonna change this or change that i mean does that happen secretly or is it legit what the members voted because i feel like 
I, I don't know. And is Barbie the victim of? I want to say it was a victim of, again, another when it's a blockbuster hit, mainstream pop culture in, they ignore that. They do that all the time with superhero movies. They do that all. Logan should have won a fucking Oscar. It didn't because it was a superhero movie. Um, But they can't say that because Oppenheimer made a billion fucking dollars. It, 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 yeah. it was pop culture. It was a huge, massive hit. And yeah, and it got the most nominations. So how do you ignore Barbie? Like, like I, I don't, I don't know. I, it's just I think that they really need to look at these rules. And you and I have talked about this. Let's dive into this a little bit. I think because of stuff like Barbie, Oppenheimer for sure. Um, we need to start talking about casting. We need to start making casting director a legit category in the Academy Awards because when you see these ensemble casts pulled together in these massive movies, Maestro for Christ's sake, like uh, this year alone, I mean, poor things, these phenomenal casts, how do you ignore the casting director? I, I, it has to be added into the Academy Awards in my opinion. Uh, it, it's such a critical role in the film industry. These films don't get made without the casting director. These are the people putting the people in front of the director to make shit happen. And I, I, these men and women work tirelessly to try to get the right people and the right chemistry and the right, you know, and how they're ignored. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. And I mean, since we're talking about snubs, I think one of the biggest snubs of the year, um, and as far as like, popular opinion um because i have another one that i want to talk about that i feel like is controversial because not a lot of people like either like it or they have mixed opinions on it but i feel like the iron claw yes! how does this thing not get nominated for any award not a single Zach one efron like alone should have been nominated like that role and that particular film like that just screams the Oscars. Yeah. Like I don't I just don't understand. What was that movie like five, six years ago? The wrestler? Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Um, um, like, yeah. Mickey Rourke. McNulty. Yeah. 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 Like it's just yeah, not McNulty. But I'm just like, you know, with how are these people like you're gonna nominate that and gave that one a win, like and then just fucking ignore this completely. Like, how are you gonna ignore this film? It is so good, it's about tragedy. People can connect and relate to it and their role like in society. This is a picture about a real life family and about real things that are happening in society. So yeah. how do you not acknowledge it at all? at all well like, i just can't believe it no and and you know what i, I you know what i think i hold on i'm just gonna because i want to make sure i get the name right here um the 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 gentleman who played the dad holt McCallany, mm -hmm. hands down fucking deserved a nomination for best supporting yeah. actor that guy was the the he was the driving force behind the sons and in my in my opinion, in this movie, Holt was the driving force behind the performances of Zac Efron. And I mean, that yeah. guy was brilliant as the dad. And like you said, fucking Jeremy Allen White and fucking Lily James and fucking Zac Efron, probably the best performances of their careers. And it was it was how it was ignored. I I I do not know. I have a theory though. It's it dealt with mental health. 
It dealt with addiction. It dealt with suicide. And the Academy was probably fucking running in the opposite direction because they didn't want any of that shit up on the stage. And that is fucking terrible because that shit needs to be talked about. Those movies need to be seen. That's the kind of shit that we can do with art to make a difference in the world. And this movie, I felt like there's not a single person that watched this movie that didn't connect to it in some sort of a way. Didn't go through one of those tragedies in their own life. Hasn't seen it happen to somebody they know in their life. Lived through that era with this family and watched it play out in real life with this family. I mean, I'm right there with you. How does it, how does it get completely fucking ignored? That's insane to me. I, I just, yeah. And remember, right. leading up, everybody was talking about it was a shoe-in knob for Zac Efron. Yeah. Everybody was like, no way this guy doesn't get it. He's going to be a shoe-in for best actor kind of. Exactly. And then just a total – I don't even know. I don't even know, man. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's strange. And another one, the other one that I was referring to is like Napoleon. I mean that was an amazing film. Like Ridley Scott – fucking you know directing cinematography like i mean yes they got nominated for the lower awards but it was an amazing film like i like it so much i have it and <laughs> like the framed poster <laughs> like in my office so i don't understand like what was so controversial about it i felt like they told the story of a real life you know basically dictator who you know was running france and like did it in a fucking shady ass way like i don't understand because the academy loves biopics basically and they love period pieces so how does this one not get nominated for more things at least i feel like best directing um i just i don't understand i, I really don't um is there anyone specifically that you are very passionate about that got left off besides you know the obvious ones no you know what in fact i i mean the Iron Claw, I'm definitely about, but I was actually surprised that one of my favorite films of the year, The Holdovers, got nominated and is getting all of the love and, and the nominations. I thought for sure that one was going to be ignored. I really did. It came out late, um, and it, it, there, there wasn't a lot of talk of it. It was in limited release. It jumped on the peacock almost immediately after it came Real out. Quick, yeah. I thought it was for sure... It was going to be a, oh, that's a nice little movie and just pushed aside. And then all of a sudden it started getting nominations and running the awards tables on these early awards seasons uh, shows. So I'm thrilled about that one. I guess if we're going to talk about The Ugly, we should talk about the good job for recognizing this lesser film, this not big wide release scene film and giving it the love that it deserves because it was an amazing film. Probably my overall favorite performance from Paul Giamatti. He's absolutely fucking brilliant in it the young man who plays the kid that is opposite him fucking brilliant um and obviously we're get we're getting divine joy there like she's killing it i mean and well deserved there's a excellent surprise guest appearance by carrie preston in it who who giamatti's character kind of is like madly in love with and she seems to be really flirting with him and into him but then we find out uh oh no spoilers but you know so that was a really touching moment in the film that i loved that it was carrie preston um so yeah, I was, you know, I was really pleasantly surprised that that got some loving because I, I think it was well deserved. Um, and yeah, and that with that being said, though, how is you know the kid 
Dominic Sessa yeah. got nominated for supporting actor. Exactly. Like, because he's a part of that trio combo. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, exactly. You cannot have Paul Giamatti and, and Devine without Dominic. It's yeah. they play directly off of each other. Like, so, yeah. like, the whole storyline is actually pivoted around Dominic's character. And so, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand how you leave the kid off. Like, like he should have. He's gonna have a huge career, by the way. That he was, I think so too. he was phenomenal. Um, and I hope. I, look, I'm just gonna go on the record. Let's just put it out there. Let, let, I think that film could be the sleeper this year. I know everybody is talking about Oppenheimer. I think everybody thinks Oppenheimer is the shoe in to sweep the categories that it's nominated in. Um, look out for the holdovers. I would not be surprised at all. If they said best picture goes to and they call that name out, I wouldn't be surprised. I think most of the, the world would be. I won't be. And don't get me wrong. If you guys know, if you've listened to past shows, I immediately put Oppenheimer at the top of my list of probably the best movie ever made. From from top to bottom, inside and out, that film is a fucking masterpiece. It should win Best Picture. It deserves Best Picture. It deserves all the nominations. It deserves all the love it's getting. But so does that small little indie, The Holdovers. And if it were to win... It would be amazing for smaller creators and filmmakers like us to say our stories matter too. And we don't have to have every A-lister in Hollywood in it to make it happen. I, so, you know, Giamatti's basically a, a, like, a, like a, a, a mega character actor, right? Mm-hmm. He's not the typical leading man. Nobody thinks of Paul Giamatti as a leading man, right? Like, but... He's killing it. Yeah. So all we know is it could either go one way, where Oscar or uh, Oppenheimer sweeps everything, or you know there's gonna be that in between where they're gonna win a good amount of things because it deserves to. Oh, without but there doubt. is going the big categories are gonna go to someone else. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the Academy does. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about it. Like I said, the 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 watch list has been created. And I've started it. Luckily, a lot of them are on Amazon Prime and a lot of them are on Netflix and Apple uh, TV Plus. So all good things. But yeah, man, super excited. Everybody be sure to try to watch as many as possible and fill out some ballots. Maybe we'll be uh, putting on a contest or something. Yeah. Or to somebody to win a shirt or win a Funko or something like that. Um, I think that'll be a lot of fun. But we don't want to spend too much time on it because like I said and like Dustin said at the beginning, man, oh man, our guest segment is freaking massive and super entertaining <laughs> man we have the one and only siddharth sharma coming on the show to talk about the way home yes. man oh man it's such a touching interview and a touching story that everyone should watch on peacock oh without doubt it's an amazing show he pulls off an amazing performance in it and he dives pretty deep into that and how he approached it because he plays a younger version of an adult character because newsflash for anybody that doesn't know there's a time travel involved through a secret pond and all this kind of stuff um so when he talks about he goes in so we this interview you dive deep into his acting process and how he approaches acting and how he uses that in his approach to filmmaking we get really deep into all of that and then we lighten it up and he talks about his abs and how he had to he felt like the when he auditioned and got the role on on gen v's like 
I don't even look like a superhero. I got to get in the, get into the gym. And t-. he talks about all that. I mean, that's really some fun stuff. And um, the popcorn questions, you guys, we hit him with some great popcorn questions, and he's got some great answers there. You're gonna love that. It's just a fucking great interview, and and it's a really informative interview like you said at the top of the show logan about any anybody who's thinking about becoming a filmmaker or is a young filmmaker in the industry this is one you definitely do not want to miss oh completely agree completely agree well here he is sid sharma welcome inside the crazy ant farm man how are you I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for uh, having me. I'm, I'm great. How oh, are you guys? Dude, absolutely. We are living the dream, living the dream, and uh, we are pumped. You're on two of the hottest shows on television right now, man, and, and just killing it. So, And we've got a lot of followers that are all in on it, so they're going to be pumped to hear from you. Uh, you, you know, it's Something exciting, else I man. I really wanted to mention at the very top of the show, though, is freaking doing our research on Instagram. You're putting our dad bods to shame, bro. Yeah. Put all that away, okay? <laughs> You're putting our dad I'm just letting you know. Listen, no, no, I'm going to own my dad bod because I'm actually a dad and a little bit older than you guys. So I'm going to own my dad bod. He might be putting you to shame, though, Logan. I'm just saying. (laughs) Come on, Logan. You know, you got to, you know, after Gen V, I was like, well, this was even before Gen V when I did the audition. And I was like, I I washed my tape back. And in an event, I booked this. I, I look not the part like i just gotta <laughs> break it you know and i think starting next week like right after the the next week of the audition i i just started hitting the gym regularly you know just there you go that's great so thank you i really appreciate it though. to no be problem, fair though to no be problem. fair logan is working hard he's about to marry my daughter in about 65 days and he's been hitting yeah. the gym to get in that tuxedo shape so you know he's been hitting it he's been doing good dude that's <laughs> awesome and i i love that i'm trying to do the same because you know when when the changes there's like a sense of motivation that just hits you yeah so yeah trying to ride off that wave too but that's awesome how long have you been working out logan um so i mean it's been off and on but since Mm. honestly since october because we did a sober october challenge uh, between him and myself and Mm -hmm. um i've been doing at least 15 miles a week i've just been you know trying to either walk or exercise hike um that type of thing but this past week I did my most, which is 21.37 miles in a week. So that was really cool. So that's averaging about, you know, um, four and a half miles every time I go outside. Uh, so that's been really exciting. But, I mean, it, the goal is to, I mean, Planet Fitness has been uh, promoting it like crazy. 24 cents down, $10 a month. So I'm going to be uh, signing up to get back to the gym, too. I'm really that's excited awesome. about it. All right. So yeah. before we get into any of the fun stuff, uh, let, let's just hit the serious questions right here. What do you bench and what do you press or squat? Right. Oh, what do, what do I bench? Um, you know, obviously with my weight, um, the goal is 225. Okay. But I'm mm. right, now, right now, I'm doing um, 45 on each side. I do max like 25 on top of that. So that's yeah. 45, 45, 90. The bar is like 25, I, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So let's let's go like around 140. Is All right, like the, all right. And what know? are you squatting? Are you squatting? Squat, yeah, yeah. Around the same weight, uh, to mm-hmm. be honest. Unless it's a Smith machine, then I can do two forty. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Then I, then I can go a little ham. You know? Well, then even more so, echoing uh, Logan, kudos, man, because built mm-hmm. based on your size and your frame, that's impressive. That's that's off to a good start. You're doing great. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 definitely something. If you feel it for the next three days, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, exactly. I something. I love something. it. I love it. Okay, so now that we know you're in shape and working hard to get into superhero <laughs> body form, let's talk about the dream of acting and. 
how that all started because we know it didn't just jump into i want to be a superhero uh <laughs> did you start off at a really young age kind of knowing that you wanted to get into this kind of a thing and 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 be an actor or did you kind of fall into it how did it start man it's um it's really it's really weird so i actually had no clue uh you know of doing any of any of the film related stuff it was uh, until grade 11 I, I was still in india by the way like i grew up mm-hmm. born raised there right so um i was still in india not a huge thing in the city that i was in anyway like nobody would look at me seriously if i would talk about acting right you would have to move to like a different part of india to pursue acting Except I was in grade 11 and I had sciences. I wanted to do engineering like every other Indian guy ever, <laughs> um, you know, but uh, but my grades were like, you you got to do something else. <laughs> you cannot do this. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's when it kind of, I had a conversation with my mom. I still remember it was over lunch and I was, I was like, I, I got to do photography. You know, I want to do photography. I want to do um if there is a a world where i could be a model i'd love to do that you know and uh she was she just told me one thing she was like whatever you pick now you just got to stick to it because i had a tendency of switching things like i'd play basketball i'd play soccer and then commit like buy all the gear you know get everything related to the specific thing that i was doing but she was like you just got to stick to it and um then i moved to toronto this was finished grade 12 um moved to toronto and then that's when it kind of started happening. And it was still, uh, I had no clue. I wanted to direct. And yeah. they told me they told me that you could be acting at the same time, which would make you uh, a better director. And that made a lot of sense. So I just started, you know, pursuing that. And then acting actually got more interesting. Mm. So I was like, wait. And then, you know, the past two years, I'm like, wait, I got to flip it. So I, I'm trying to do, you know, I'm trying to find balance with that always. Yeah. But um, that's kind of like I never like growing up, I had no clue, nothing acting related. Nobody in my family is in, into arts, musicians, none of that except except me. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's really cool, though, because I feel like I can relate a little bit to that because it's either I don't know if you're like this, but I'm either like all or nothing. And then I suffer from massive burnout. Like, I'll be like, all right, let's do this. Like for like two, three weeks. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of sick of this now. Mm -hmm. So to be able to actually find your pacing and your footing and to stick to what you want to do is honestly very impressive because a lot of people, you know, especially in our industry, whether it be the acting, directing, photography, directing, or, um, cinematography, um, a lot of people pick it up and then try to do a little something and then just kind of they lose momentum because they see how much work you actually have to put into this craft that yeah. is creative, but it's also a lot of work. So mm-hmm. to be able to balance that and figure out what you want to do is a testament to you and your drive and your determination. Um, so kudos to you on that. But I mean, mm-hmm. do you still take pictures. Do you still like get out there and try to, you know, shop? It started off as pictures, um, but I thought like it, there was always something video related to it. You yeah, know, really exactly. Do video. It just felt like the easiest end was pictures, mm-hmm. and um, everybody around me told me that I was good at it. So that felt that felt good. I felt like I had a sense of you know framing and composition without actually learning and putting in the hours. Right. And um, but recognizing it now, I'm like, oh, now that I've now that I actually actively focus on something like that, 
I get a lot out of it. It's like, oh, I this is why this worked and this is why this doesn't work. So it's yeah. not just an instinct that, oh, I'm just born with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's more, <right. laughs> it's more yeah. like, oh, you got to avoid certain stuff because sometimes it just does not work. Right. right. So, and then yeah. when you pick up the camera like that, because I think it's really good advice, whoever gave it to you, that said, hey, if you act, it's going to make you a better director down the line kind of a thing. Because when you do pick up the camera after being in front of the camera, you do understand things a little bit better. You understand the blocking and the lighting and the lens and why you're doing certain things certain ways and why it works and why it doesn't work. I think it's a huge thing to be able to know both sides of the camera. Um, but you saying that, though, and because you still kind of do pursue it, and you have that knowledge of it is the directing thing something you still see yourself doing at some point down the line transitioning back behind the camera and kind of doing both i um i feel like i can't not do it so i'm consistently doing it at all times we um i have a production company with my uh pr producing partner his name is mitchell jaramillo shout out and um <laughs> you know, we're we're doing that consistently so um, we, we have a production company called, called Hold the Sauce Films. Nice. And I, you know, there's there's a couple of things that relate to that. So I want to ask you why you guys call, um, you know, the podcast and the production company Crazy, crazy Ant. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, so, so I want to dive into that. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's an interesting story. So it, it's – we got – we met. Because we were both working at a television station. Our background started off in, in broadcast journalism and, and it kind of went into the film stuff or whatever. Mm -hmm. So before I before I came across Logan, before he started at the station or whatever, we ran a story there. It was down in the south. And we ran a story about how this particular area was being overrun by crazy ants. They had kind of taken and come into the thing. And crazy ants are these like real high intense yellow ants that get into your electronics and fuck up your electronics they eat the insides of the electronics so nice. when it came time when I, we started the company and i was thinking about the name and everything I, I was like what how ironic would it be that we call this thing named after something that would tear up all of our equipment if it actually got a hold of it and kind of like got in there and everything and and we were like let's just go with it let's just spoof the name of, of what would be the total opposite of what we would want to happen and then, so that's where the name came from. The logo was very specific too. Not Bonk, not the mascot. He's just the crazy right. ant. But the logo, right. if you notice, it's got the one eye is a film reel, one is digital. Mm -hmm. And it represents right. Logan and I, old school film mm -hmm. guy, new, new school video, and how that's we awesome. merge and yeah. make it work. Because we both mm -hmm. come at it from very different ways. It's kind of yeah. like what's happening in the industry right now and the transition in the industry. And so oh. we're a prime example of making it work. How do you take this old mm -hmm. guy that loves to shoot on film? film doesn't really understand anything about digital and you know mm -hmm. and then how you take this new guy and teach him about film and why that worked and why we do the things with and it just it's been a beautiful collaboration and, and it's been amazing and that's where the name came from and that's how it just kind of sprouted and we've been really lucky people recognize the name they know it now when they see it we we it. yeah we walk down the street people know bonk they're like oh my god that's it and we're like okay cool you know so that's awesome i love that yeah man yeah okay so now we got to know uh, where Where's, the, where's your name come from? For holding sauce, you know, um, I so in co during COVID, uh, it was a perfect opportunity to just like you know, self taping was the next big thing, right? For sure. So, um, it was a perfect opportunity because I I didn't have the capacity to really direct projects back then, because um, I was just doing all everything on my own. 
And um, so I found a way I brought in like all of my friends for free. I'm like, you know, I know you pay like 50 to 100 bucks to do a tape. Yeah. Come with me. We'll work it out. We'll like spend if you spend an hour there, we'll spend like two and a half hours, you know. Right. We'll, we'll just we found like different approaches to doing things. And um, I had noticed when I started working with newer people, um, there was a layer of something more than just story, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, as as filmmakers, um, weirdly, first, um, you know, you guys, you guys understand story is king. Like even when it comes down to an audition, if it doesn't make sense, my kind of rule of thumb is anybody should watch it and be able to tell what's going on. Yes, you know, because some producers are not into the scripts as much as others so like if they watch it and they see you doing some wonky stuff they're probably not going to be you know seeing the story as much they're just going to get distracted by everything else so that distraction um i started talking about it with actors and we just named it sauce ah ah. like you know hold like hold the sauce like let's do one which doesn't have the sauce like the actor sauce on it right and the more uh, Mitch and I talked about it, it was it was something that was applicable for like everything. Sure. So when we're doing a music video, we could do it in a saucy way for the snake <laughs> sauce, or we could just talk about the story. And usually, um, you know, we found more more meaningful like uh, more meaning within it, which was like you got to earn the saucy stuff. Like you can have saucy stuff, but. If the story supports it and you have interesting things going on in the beginning of the film, then you can have a sequence that doesn't really make sense. And it's just like flashing lights or whatever. But you have to earn. And, you know, you, there's so many ways to earn. You get a big star. You, get, you have a story that's very compelling right off the bat. So that kind of, you know, turned into uh, a production company name. And yeah. you know, people ask and they're like, why hold the sauce? And I'm like... Bro, we can we can sit down and talk about it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And anytime you can get anybody to talk about your company, even if it's about why or where the name comes from, they're talking about the company. So it's brilliant, mm. you know. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where I feel like, yeah, it's uh, it's all about communicating and getting your name out there and being able to, you know, finally share your passion and your ideas with different people that's what happened after we did our first short film uh deadlines you know it was a very you know social justice project had a lot to do with bullying gun violence mental health um so it's definitely not a comedy as you can tell Uh, but to be able to you know bring bring subject matter that is not necessarily talked about in day-to-day life and be able to have people sit down and watch it with a mass group of people and be like, okay, now let's start a conversation because it invokes the conversation after right. watching the film. So, I mean, that's what I feel like we do as storytellers, right? Mm-hmm. To be able yeah. to bring up things in conversations that not are not always easy, um, to break the tension, um, to do all of these different things. So that's why, you know, it's, it's important to have more filmmakers feel like they can have their voice be heard because it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always freaking fantastic, but man, I'm super curious too, because, you know, with you bouncing around a -hmm. little bit from different countries and finally getting your footing and everything, did you have some sort of like separation anxiety or like missing home when you came over to Toronto and started getting your footing and doing things, but you felt like you couldn't be with your family or support system and be like, Hey, look what I'm doing at like in person. 
It's a it's a very consistent thing. Um, yeah. I would say it's like ongoing twenty four seven. Except, I think I uh, did one thing that I wish I could go back and fix it a little bit. I mm-hmm. um, banked on you know the small wins are very important. Mm-hmm. So like obviously like you know you book a commercial now it feels like okay you know I booked a commercial that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. back then it was like, whoa, this means I'm going to be on TV. This means people <laughs> yeah. are going to watch me. Like, that's it, it holds so much weight. And um, a part of me was always, it's just the way I operate too. It's like, um, part of me always wanted to like wait until I did the next big thing to tell right. oh, my, my friends back home or like the people that I really, you know, that were like supporting me in different ways. And, um, I always like I booked a commercial. And I was like, you know what? When I book the, the, a better commercial, I'll let them know. This one they wouldn't yeah. even. And then I booked uh, a small like a guest role, and then I was like, you know what? When I book a bi- a bigger role, and then I'm gonna let them know. And I delayed it, delayed it, delayed it to the point like I never really let them know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like oh shit, I forgot all about it. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was you know something that also added to. Um, you know, that feeling of like, oh, I don't, I don't actually talk about that with a lot of people that I should have been talking to because it's such an interesting career too, especially like with, um, you know, uh, Indian background. I mean, a lot of people are a lot more supportive, so I don't want to feed into the, you know, the stereotypical like Indian families not supportive. They're very supportive. My mom is like, she's, she's so sick. She's just amazing. Like she's been supportive since the beginning. So it's, um, you know, and I think a lot of people share that these days, but it's still a consistent thing. Um, and it's, I, I'm still on the same mindset of like, you know, I'm going to do a project that's going to, that's going to be, that's going to reach the masses in a way that they're just going to know. And they're going to hit, hit me up and be like, yo, you didn't even tell me about this. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I've been waiting since the first commercial ever. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I yeah. To be able to tell you that. And I mean, kind yeah. of the piggyback off that a little bit. Um, you know, when I first started with crazy Ant, and when we first started developing projects for other people, um, you know better than anyone else um, that this is a slow burn type of industry. You know, things don't happen overnight and different opportunities present themselves, some good, some bad. And it's all about decision making. Um, Well, I I ran into a situation to where I felt like, you know, after the first couple years, you know, at the very beginning, everybody was very supportive, like, oh, my goodness, look what you're doing. That's awesome. But now, you know, after creative differences of projects that took up two or three years and after all of these different things and i'm still you know promoting and telling people about this stuff but it feels like they're not as like enthused or invested in what i'm doing if that makes any sense because they're like oh because they don't see all the behind the scenes stuff they don't see all the work that Uh you have to do while you're going through it so just remember that too to remember who was always there for you at the very beginning and remember you know those people who said they don't really support you, but then when you have like this big accomplishment, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I remember, I knew him when." Like, no, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Um, if they ask for tickets to the red carpet premiere, it's like, yeah, where we, were we you when we were trying to get there? You know? Yeah, no, you're yeah. not getting on the red carpet. Are you kidding me? Like right now? <laughs> but you know, that's the mentality, though. Most people think that somebody comes up with an idea, they write a script, they film it, and it's out. 
If they don't understand yeah. the process of the no. development and the pre-production and the post-production and all of the stuff that goes into it prior to it being seen by somebody. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. But, um, I, you know, it's so funny that you talk about, though, the one thing that I wish I could do different and go back and kind of do. And it's like it's a great transition to do if only you had a pond that you could go back <laughs> and, <laughs> and fix all that. Like, wait a it's minute. All a yeah, it's, it's all, all a, plan. a plan. That's right. That's right. So what? Let's talk about it, man. The way home. Um, right. What a concept. First of all, like I joke with everybody because when I tell them that I'm watching it and I say it's on Hallmark, they're like, wait, mm-hmm. what? No, that's like CW, right? Or something like that. I'm like, right. listen, it's Hallmark. I'm telling you. And it's not a romantic comedy and they don't all end up together and they don't. Do- I'm like, so I, I it was just an amazing. I found it was a really amazing concept. It's kind of like a. Um, a supernatural or witch type story, but it's also a crime drama. You're trying to figure out where the missing boy is and what's going on there. It's, it's, you got a family drama, what's going on with the divorce and all this kind of stuff. And it's like all perfectly molded together in this story. And I'm like, this is brilliant. This is a really well-crafted idea that was implemented really well. And uh, we talk about what it was like going in there because I, I always feel like it's like, oh, you're going to be the young version of this established character kind of thing. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, do I play off this guy's performance as the guy? Do I make it my own? Do you kind of talk about that? Like when you found out what the role was going to be, how you auditioned for it, and then how you approached it because it's a really – I got to be honest with you. When I first saw you, I'm like, this guy's a douche. <laughs> and I'm I think, I I think that. that was the goal though. I mean I think everybody was like, that's what we want him to think but how that. is he like Thank this you. how's he like brady grown-up nice guy like i don't understand right. you know where'd we go so talk about that it's very interesting because um uh you know al plays the older version and uh, right he's great but the difference actually kind of allowed for the for the room for exploration yes you know? yeah i could be realistically because i didn't have to live up to or be a version of al because I really am a different person back then, and he becomes a different person. So, um, we we didn't have we didn't get to have those chats where you know um, Al tell me what you're doing so I can you know try to put that in my performance. If anything, the more absurd and the more strange I was in that in that world, the more effect Al's niceness would have. Yeah. In the in the present or the future for me. So. That was an interesting, it, it, it kind of happened in a way that made it easy for me too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for Al, I hope, because um, then you're not consistently worried about tying those ends. I could just be as douchey as possible, <laughs> yeah. and Al has got to be as nice as possible, and then it just, the extreme ends just really work well, right? Right. So the approach was fairly simple. The auditioning process was also very simple. Except the first time I auditioned, I had a beard. Ah, and, uh, yeah. They were like, wait, 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 do that again. Yeah, <laughs> you're supposed to be 15. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you, you, know? you look 30. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so that was funny. Um, I remember, I remember my agent calling me, and they were like, uh, you know, do you still have that tape? And I was like, oh, do you still remember that tape? I was like, I do. They want you to do it again, but without a beard. And they don't tell you, like my agent, they, they don't tell me until it's like a closed, you know, deal. Right. Obviously, because, you know, or I would just be like hoping for things to happen. Right. So in the moment, I was like, oh, this means that that's probably a good thing unless that's, you know. And yeah. so we retaped it 
it actually was different. I try to make everything, you know, every take. I try to do it. I don't know if it comes across. Uh, we'll have to talk to the director about that. But um, I try to do it differently every time. And I think it was different, but still in the same vein. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how we, you know, that's how I ended up on the set. And then we started doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. That is awesome, too, because I feel like, you know, especially with kind of like because it's kind of a period piece too you know, traveling back in time and being in like the mid 90s, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where it is um, to be able to like because I know you're a very fashionable guy. So you are able to uh, play with a little bit of fashion choices and to right. be able to um, you kind of collaborate on that, even though right now I feel like, you know, things from the 90s and the 80s, they always come back and you're able to rock it now. But um yeah, so that's always very interesting, too. And I feel like, you know, the cast that you played with, because I always think about it as imagination, and it's just right. one big thing to have fun with. The cast that you were able to communicate and double with was also as good as you, because just the dynamic that everybody had on set, it seemed to have seeped through the TV screens to where it felt like, you were back in high school going through all of this drama, all of this love, all of this different things. And I think that's what was so special about your character and your portrayal. You were able to identify these certain things about this character and being able to portray it to where us as audience members are able to feel that. So that's mm-hmm. always like, I feel like one of the best things you can do as an actor, oh right? God. I'm glad <laughs> you came across that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want to add to awesome. that because I, I, I basically said, you know, came out and called you a douche. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but but by the end of it, and this is a testament to your acting skills and how well you, you were able to make the connection with the audience. Because by the end of it, you're seeing this basically arrogant, cocky guy, but he's really on the inside insecure. And he's noticing that the best friend is getting the attention that he wants. Hey, what's that handhold? Why she go to him when he when she's in trouble kind of a thing? And you start to feel bad for you. You start to understand that that attitude is really a wall and that you're really insecure and you're not as, as vain as you come across. You're actually feeling things and you're recognizing things and maybe you're a little and i like that the whole you know i was jealous of you when the adults have that conversation you know kind of a thing and you did a really good job of making somebody that's not very likable likable Mm -hmm. you were kind of rooting for the guy in the end and you kind of see the transition into why he becomes a good guy down the line and Mm -hmm. and um that's a huge testament to your acting because i think when you can take a character that initially the audience is like, what an asshole. We don't want this guy. Why did she even marry him? And then you're rooting for him at the end. And, and you're kind of like, that. that's huge and, and hard to do. So the the way that you were able to communicate that and effectively get that to the audience where, like Logan said, we connect with that. Because there's who hasn't been out there where they're totally in love with a girl and the girl is just totally with some wants somebody else might be with you but you know in your heart she wants somebody else we've all been there that's high school man so to be able to get there and have the audience connect and root for you like that it it was superb man it really was i really i highly appreciate it and you know i think um writing plays a huge huge role uh, when it comes to something like that and um because for me as an actor, uh, the biggest focus is, uh, you know, working with the cast and in the moment, like even when they yell cut, if I see 
Alex and David, you know, the other two, uh, I, I see them talking too much. I'm like, yo, yeah. Yeah, why are you guys talking about me? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. Come yeah. on, guys, like, yeah, let me be a part of this conversation. Then I know what's, what the hell's going on. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> so you're a method actor. No. <laughs> That's, like, <laughs> That's great, though. I love that, man. That's fantastic. It's, it's kind of hard to not feel that way when you're – you know, around um, actors who are fully committed, mm-hmm. David, Alex, Sadie, they're all fully locked in. So it's it's actually, I can't even imagine not not feeling the way uh, I felt while we were uh, while we were filming or even offset, you know, because it just seeps in. We're having great conversations. We're just hanging out the whole time. So we're building that chemistry. So I, I'm just glad that that came across that way. It's actively just focusing on um, just making sure the writing comes across mm-hmm. and the writing just takes care of everything else, which is so great for the show. And, you know, that's why we have a season two and it just gets, it just gets speaking crazy. of no spoilers, but, um, do we see, you know, young, uh, you, you, yeah, are you yeah, there? Yeah. I don't know. It kind of left <laughs> off. It's like, do we, do we go back to the nineties? Cause you know, like. <laughs> You know, certain answers can only be found <laughs> if you visit certain places through the pond, right? Uh, so, that's right. <laughs> it wouldn't. It, to me, it's it's almost like, why would you not? Right? Like you gotta. Yeah. Some yeah. loose end there. For so, sure. No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're rooting for you, man. We want to see you again. Let's go back to the 90s, all right? We got to we gotta see you a little bit more. I know. I think about that too much. <laughs> well, and you are another one of our first as well because, you know, we've interviewed a lot of people from Hallmark Films, but never anybody from, like, a Hallmark TV show. So that's right. really cool. And we know that the films, you know, they run and gun, like, out mm-hmm. in two weeks. So how was it like? Because a lot of your stuff was kind of in the back half of season one so how how long were you on set and how much of a duration did you have there um i was i was there for the first season because we don't know about the second one but um you know i was i was there i was there it felt like i was because it was very um scattered right mm-hmm. all my days yeah. i was on set it was very scattered so it almost felt like i was there all the time mm-hmm. um but you know as you as you as you were familiar with i wasn't um in every scene ever so i spent a good a good amount of a good amount of time with the cast and i got to you know uh, meet everybody so that was good but actually you know fun fact i never saw al at the same time oh on the same really oh makes sense right because we're in different time periods <laughs> that's but, right that's I'm right still hoping to see him at least once but we got coffee uh, a bunch of times after so it makes sense. <laughs> well it also <laughs> makes sense because anybody who watches back to the future knows if you guys see each other at the right at the same time in the wrong time you mess everything up bro you can't do exactly. that so there's a reason exactly. they kept you apart uh, <laughs> so that's, that's a very good point that's, i like uh, that so that's to to wrap up on the on the way home before we jump into gen v because we're excited about that one too we've heard from previous guests and from uh, friends in the industry that we know and everything that hallmark is like a really great company to work for that they're very family friendly and that they're very you know actor friendly and 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 crew friendly and is that true did you find that it's a really good experience and a really good company to work for oh my god a hundred percent and also to uh tie that loose and we had a long time we had we had time to shoot this it wasn't as run it wasn't as run and gun we had the time to explore different ways to do it so that was you know to answer that question yeah but um, yeah very very um it felt like a family like i still 
um, you know, when the last day was actually very hard, I was like, oh, so we don't know if we're going to see each other again. And that felt like a thing. And even though I was there for not as long as, you know, I would have wanted to be, but, <laughs> but at the same time, it still felt like in the, in the time that we did spend together, just the connections were there and you're absolutely right. Whatever you've heard, it's so true. They're, they take care of you and uh, they're, they're just great to work with. Good. You know? Good. We love mm -hmm. to hear that. And, and kudos to them for making the moves that they're making with, because they were hammered for a very long time about the lack of diversity and the lack of, of and and you are a testament of they are absolutely moving in the right direction and you're seeing these movies and you're seeing these series and you're seeing the representation that we're getting now and so it's it's amazing right. to see that happen and I, we're so happy that you're a part of it because you're just like an incredible actor so um it's nice to see that representation and, and have you be a part of it now Logan I know you're gonna jump all over this because you're like yeah we were both like just all in on the boys obviously it's like you know we're eric kripke fans supernatural like oh my god he's doing a superhero series we got it all oh, my just dive in or whatever um totally drastic change though from the, the way home and what's going on <laughs> know, there right? it's yeah. just me like i mean this is like i don't bloodshed porn for like anything that's kind of going on um all right dive in man talk about that experience <laughs> Um, Gen V was, um, it was different. It was very different, obviously, right? Because, um, intense in different ways. Yeah. Because, um, with Hallmark, working with Hallmark, there's like a certain limit to the intensity that you hit. You yes. can hit levels of intensity within that range, mm -hmm. right? But with this, it's, um, definitely goes above and beyond. And if it's the boys, then it's even above yeah. beyond. Crazy. So, um, it was it was a really good time though. I actually got to see some people that I had, uh, that I you know admired, like Jazz Sinclair. I'd seen her um, on this show. It's called um, Easy on Netflix. I don't yeah. know if you guys, mm. yeah, mm -hmm. great show. And it's it kind of flew under the radar for a lot of people, but I I really liked it. So I was kind of like, oh, you you're on Easy, and she was talking to me was like, yeah, I was like that's crazy. That's one of my favorite shows. She's like, really? Wow, because <laughs> nobody really talks about that as much. But um, overall experience, um, got to work with great directors and, um, you know, it was it was just different. It was just very different, but it still had that same vibe. Everybody was very nice. Everybody was and we kind of were all in the same age group. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was it was very easy to just um, talk to people and just feel the feel the vibe of the set, which was, like I said, different. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Because I feel like, you know, you have a lot of people who specifically in your age group that are in kind of like around the same spot that you mm -hmm. are in your career, you know, being able to be up and comers and rise and grind and be able to do things. Did you learn anything from any of your other fellow castmates? Yeah, for sure. Because um, it's it's a lot um, of it felt like a lot was at stake. And so yeah. working with um that kind of uh pressure mm -hmm. in a weird way um i took that away as like okay you know this is a level up if i can yeah. work with a crane coming down on the shot because some we shot some stuff that didn't make it to the final cut but right. um you know there was a crane shot that was like we, you had to time it perfectly with everything and i was like oh, oh shit. this is this goes beyond the acting classes and everything that you've ever learned because you know that's another thing that uh, really these sets teach you is you got to be able to work the technical 
Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you see actors that you're like, oh, you're okay. You're not the greatest actor, but you're consistently working. And how, how is that? It's because they're so good with hitting the mark they they got the technical shit down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that kind of taught me that. So when I hopped off that set, I was, um, I was very mindful of, I want to include, um, marks. I want to include, you know, where the camera is in the next rehearsal that I do on my own, even if that means making a short to practice that, or, you know, working with friends It's like, no, let's not just talk about the depth of the scene and what the characters are feeling 24 seven, because we got to film it. Let's talk about exactly. yeah. how it's filmed. That's a big skill set that I that show kind of, you know, CPR'd me into. It was like, yo, you don't even know about this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just I love that because that's that's how mm. we balance each other. Yeah, right. I'm a very – let's talk about the characters and let's talk about the acting. And, and he's a very camera and scene and shot guy. And so we're okay. learning from each other. He's mm. taking from me. I'm taking from him. And it makes us as directors – that much better because we see it from those different points of view and know what to, it's an amazing, but it's like you said, going back to the whole, when you're on set, it's the ultimate learning experience. If you just sit back when you're not working and you're watching and you're taking it all in, there is no better film school than being on a set. I mean, it's amazing. It's weird. Yeah. The more you do it, the better you get at it. For sure. um, The the only tricky part is in a lot of cases, you don't get to do it a lot. Yeah. you know, the takeaway from that set was you got to make it happen on your own. That's right. And not for the sake of, oh, my God, I got to make movies. Even if you want to be a better actor, you got to be able to work with people and, you know, in unison and just figure out those crazy. Like, we all want to do a long shot that's like 14 minutes, you know, tar style. And yeah. like, it's <laughs> a, a full thing. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, when you tell actors like, all right, so you have 17 marks in that scene. Yeah, and you've ever done scenes in class like a self tape, and now Mm -hmm. it's a whole different game. You forget how to walk. You forget how to talk while you're walking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) It's like a whole different thing. So that was the biggest learning curve, and you know that's something that I'm consistently trying to work on. Find more creative ways to um, incorporate in what we do. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. And I feel like a lot of people are going to learn from this interview from you because this podcast is built off of you know helping the up-and-comers break into the entertainment industry so thank you so much for sharing your story and sharing the different things that you have learned on set because like i said i am a very um a visual and listen to type of person that's how i learn and to be able to hear different experiences like that i always love hearing like you know family stories and from people i don't even like know of and it's hilarious um but what we like to do is at the very end of our interviews is do a list of popcorn questions this is something new that we've been trying out in 2024 for sure They're fun questions i hope you don't have to think too hard about them because if you do something going on um, but the first question is what was the funniest moment or most memorable moment on set uh let's talk about um the way home let's talk about that one uh most memorable all right i'm not trying to think too much about it so i'll give you something that was kind of fun um there's a there was a scene where we had to um i hop out of a car you you've seen that you know that happened yep. a few mm-hmm. ago. Uh, i hop out of the car with alex and with this specific scene we shot everything with the car first with the car standing there, and we decided, for some reason, we decided to do 
the car pulling in at the very end. Okay. And um, nobody really paid attention to the fact that the car was a manual. <laughs> and um so we're like in the green room we're waiting this, this is the last shot like we got we could go home and this is like this is the easiest part of the whole thing exactly it's wide, you know yeah it's, a, it's like an extreme wide so you just gotta leave with the car that's that's it <laughs> it's like what are we all waiting for and um you know our ad and our director they they come in and only uh they only bring me out and i'm like Wait, did I? Why? Like, what's happening? Like, right. It's like that. That prince walked to the principal's office. You know, it's like, what the? You know, what did I do wrong? And um, they kind of pulled me in close, and they were like, "So we have a problem." And I was like, what's, "What? What happened?" Um, so, you know, we we shot the whole thing, and we have it except the car is a manual, and um, you know, this is gonna be. Like, what do we do? And I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy, except I know how to drive a manual. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of played into it for, like, two seconds, and then I was like, I can't play into it too much. I, I just want to let them know. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah I know how to do it. And that was such a it, – it just it just gave me, like, so much more confidence, too. For sure. Because, uh, you know, you got to hit those marks with the car, too. And I was like, all right, so now that you know that I do this, and you've allowed me to do this, I'm like ready to go, you know. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Got <laughs> like boost because they were betting on it. Apparently, they were like, "There's a 75% chance that this is not going to work out, and <laughs> you would have to like figure something out about this." Except it worked out. So you know that was that was something that I that that I tell people when, whenever we talk about the way home. It's like a fun baller story. Hell yeah, <laughs> and good for you for being honest about it, even though you messed with them a little bit. Because I worked on a film where the actor was not honest about it and couldn't drive it, and we the scene requires him to pull up at a like a drive through, uh, like a A and W type thing. You know, it's at a drive in, and he pulls up. And the camera's right in front, and they're trying to get the shot, and the car jumps. Like, it almost takes out the crew in front of him and, like, all the kind of... Because he didn't know how to drive it, and it wasn't in park, and it wasn't... Re- and it just kind of... <laughs> it, was like, it was horrible. So good for you for messing with them, but then also saying, oh, I can drive it. Don't worry, I'm good, yeah. you know. Oh, my. I'd put it on the resume. I'd put it on the resume. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. Skills. I can drive the car. <laughs> all right. This is an interesting one. We always get some interesting answers with this one so we're always really curious if you could live in any film what Hmm. film would it be oh my god it can't be my favorite uh oh that's that's a tricky one yeah yeah (laughs) where would you go my man what because my favorite film is pie oh Uh, oh oh I'm like, where would I be there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where would you be in that film? That's an interesting. I myself in that movie. Um, oh my god! Okay, let's talk about a beautiful world built by um, Wong Kar Wai. This is a very typical one, but in the mood for love. Oh, you know? yeah. The way, the way that film is shot is just like I try. That's that's a, that's a goal. It's a oh. personal goal. All right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So, in the mood for love. You know that. Um, full of culture, super rich, and um, the slow motion shots—it just blows my mind. I love slow motion. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. I mean, it—it it, 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 we're such 
cinematic and filmmaking nerds when we just get so excited about shots when you're like in a theater just watching a movie and you're like holy shit that looks amazing yeah like, yeah you know when people you... you're with are like what are you talking about exactly and, and you know when the answer to the... yeah Same. and when the answer to the question is you want to live in a film because of the filmmaking and because of the yeah. cinematic <laughs> part of it instead of what the thing you know you're a total film nerd it's exactly. like, you know it's like the slow motion i want to live in a world where i can move in slow motion to do like all I love that, bro. That's a great answer. That's, that's such so a good answer. All right, what you got next, Logan? Which one all we want right. to hit him with? So the next one is going to be: if you could work with anyone, who Ooh. would it be? Ooh. Um. Okay. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Christopher Abbott. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like we you know we kind of have a similar vibe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys agree, but. That's that's somebody that, well, uh, if we if we talk if we talk about like recent times, you know, that's yeah. something love to, for love sure. To yeah, I can that see that. Good. I can see that collaboration. Honestly, I, I think you that know? yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Is, we'll we'll put it out to the universe. That's right. Know? That's we'll, like, right. Put it all over social media. <laughs> We're gonna manifest like, that into reality, yeah, my man. We're gonna make that happen. <laughs> uh, let's see. What is your typical morning routine? Typical morning routine. Um, I try. Uh, is this is this like what actually happens, or is this what I try? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let, let's be honest about it. What do you try right. to make happen, and then what's reality? Like you know. All right. All right. So ever since the new year, um, it's been. I try to wake up early. I just I just wake up early. So like, uh, I don't know if seven thirty eight is considered early unless you're David Goggins, you know? Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's kind of like uh, the time I wake up. Try to try to make tea, you know, Indian Indian chai, like fully for sure. And uh, I, I watch Mad Men like the first thing in the morning. <sighs> yes. You know? Yeah. And I watch an episode and then I try to go into. Um, working, you know, on hold the sauce, just some some client work, creative stuff that we try to figure out. But um, that's kind of like it's a very ease, like ease into it. And by noon, you figure out if you can still hit the gym if there's enough time. Yeah. But you know, three times a week, four times a week, I try to hit the gym. So whenever that fits into the schedule, it's usually in the morning. But yeah, it's a very it's a very chill routine. Watch yeah, no. ins- inspired right off the bat with Mad Men, you know, and then. You're like, okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> One of the greatest shows ever, honestly. And the amount of people that came through that show, like, I, I mean, every t- when I first watched it and I kept wa- I'm like, I didn't know Such as Us was on it. I didn't know Such as Us oh. was on it. You know, and yeah, it's just a brilliant yeah. show. And we've had the, the, the great up. pleasure of interviewing like a ton of people off of that show and, and have become friends with a lot of them. And, and it's just like, yeah, what a brilliant show, man. That's so good. So well done. And the cinematics too are just insane. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know, Logan, Logan knows. Logan knows. <laughs> That's right. He knows. <laughs> uh, so funny. Well, I'm so glad you brought up David Goggins because we were talking about exercising way back at the very beginning of our conversation. And uh, literally first day of exercising, I was listening to a Joe Rogan, David Goggins podcast <laughs> and freaking I tried to do too much and like pulled my calf. So oh, fucking God. David Goggins, man, like always messing people. They don't know me, son. They don't know me. It's so freaking funny. X, oh my God, that guy's crazy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, probably one of the most serious questions we ever ask any of our guests, and this one, it's a reflective question. For sure. Are you happy with your career so far? 
I know. Um, so far, it's uh, yes comes to mind, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because of the because of the trajectory and the path mm -hmm. that's being built. Um, am I super satisfied if I if I could just you know pull the plug right now? Would I be like you know happy with everything? Probably not. I you know there's a lot to achieve. There's a lot to do, um, but I think. The trajectory is, I think that's what the question is, right? Like with what we have For accomplished. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think, I can't even imagine. Like I'm so grateful with everything, the way everything is, because I know people who are, who've been acting since they were kids and I can look them in the eye and actually talk to them about acting. Yeah, yeah. Damn, like that's, that's in its own way. Um, you know, I, I stepped up you know, in a way. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a yes. I, yeah. you know, I really liked how you answered that though. It's definitely a yes and I'm grateful and, and, but then if I were to pull the plug, would I be satisfied? No. And you know what that is? Because I feel like any creative, any true creative, they're, they're a perfectionist. They always want – it could always have been better. I could have done this. I could have done that. I, that's just the nature of being a creative. You're never completely satisfied with it. So you never want to pull the plug and say mission accomplished, right? But you can't not be grateful for where you're at and what you've accomplished. I think you answered the question brilliantly. I think that's, that's a, that lives in every single creative. I'm grateful but don't pull the plug yet because I'm not done. You know, So yeah. it's, that's great. That's great. Dude, this has been an amazing interview man this has been a lot of fun you are a very like-minded individual and we love talking to people that are like-minded and understand the business but also learn from like logan said i feel like this is a great interview that not only we learned from but people listening are going to learn a lot from this and your path and how you approached it and everything and we just we are so grateful for you to come on and share your story and talk with us man it's been honestly just an amazing interview man Thank you, thank you so much. And same, I, I had so much fun talking to you guys. This is, this is incredible. And I know you keep bringing people back, so you know. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think they like us, Logan. <laughs> they said yes to come back. Um, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Open invite, my man. Anytime you want to come back, even if it's not for a full interview. You only got a couple minutes. Come on, we do a top five on every show. Come on and shoot the shit with a top five with us. You know, and, and just oh, yeah. any open invite, my man. Anytime you want to come on, uh, it's always there for you. Highly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank of you guys. Course, so of course. Of course. Of course. And it's all about social media too. So where can people see those rock hard abs? <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, not here. Not here. Put that sweatshirt down, <laughs> man. What are you doing? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I thought he was that. reaching. I'm like, wait a minute. We got the E, but come on, man. <laughs> not the M-A. That's the right. MA. Not the M-A. <laughs> Um, you know, Instagram is definitely uh, the page to go to, except I'm uh, it's it's more personal. So mm -hmm. I try to I try to post less film related stuff there. Yeah, but I can't help it. Right. Um, yeah. Whenever I see something cool, my algorithm has fixed itself to just aesthetically pleasing TikTokers, Instagram videos all the time. So I do share a lot of that. So if you're in for fun memes, random ab photos that that are only that are only there because I've been holding my breath for like 30 seconds, then, you know, shout out to Instagram. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, and what what's the handle? How where, what um, are they the looking? The handle at? is first name Siddharth, 
underscore Sharma with two A's. Okay, and we're going to give you a little hell because Logan and I were talking about this, and there, like, like that name, there's like 5,000 of you. Like, there you <laughs> like, go. I know. I thought it was unique. Like, when I started out, I thought it was unique. <laughs> I thought this name was not as big as it is. Yeah, when we have to click through 34 of you on Instagram to find the right one, it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm, not, I'm not that big yet, guys. It's, it's soon I should pop up in the in the very top, but right now, you know, you got to Well, listen, we're going to manifest that too because anybody that listens to this conversation and watches your work, you'll be there, my friend. You will get, you will be that big you will be at the top of that list um listen man take care uh again open invite whenever you want to come back it's all there for you and uh we just could not be more pleased to talk to you tonight man very best continued success and uh we will be talking to you soon thank you so much thank you so much for having me you you guys are killing it and you know i know you're gonna keep killing it so all power thank you man thank you we appreciate it we appreciate it well take care brother and we will see you later you too. Ciao. All right. Man, oh man, I just, I love it because so many people that are young and are going to really take care of the entertainment industry. Yeah. You know, I feel like he really cares about it. He cares about the nitty gritty. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm super excited to see where he goes. No, for sure. I was thinking that the whole time through the interview, like, like, you, it, there's always a transition period. You're always handed over to the next generation. And when you, we get guys like this, you know it's going to be in good hands. You know it's yeah. going to make like stellar leaps to the next level because, like you said, you've got this guy who cares about it. And, man, just what – and he's just like a genuinely good human being. Cares about mm-hmm. the industry and a great actor and, you know, you can tell he's passionate about what he does. But then he's just a great guy, you know, exactly. and that makes it even better. <laughs> like, you know, when yeah. you're a great actor and a great, you know, director whatever, and a great person, it, it doesn't get any better, man exactly exactly thank you again sid for coming on the show all right now it is time for our top five segment man and i love this one because i mean it's my favorite actor of all time um (laughs) it is top five leonardo dicaprio films yes man i literally i could have put all of yours on mine i mean i just yeah to be a fucking ah, ah. like i literally found a tiktok that has all of leo's films in order so now i'm at some point i'm gonna have a leonardo dicaprio freaking marathon and just watch them in order so i can see how he progresses as an actor and i'm way too excited about it i'll admit that right now but emily's just like what the hell are you talking about Uh, okay can i just say are you going to start with the tv show growing pains when he was like um, a fetus. Let's see. Uh, because Here, yeah. <laughs> you said movies, but he started on Growing Pains. He was a child actor with Kirk Cameron and shit on Growing Pains. Like, Yep. It starts with movies with Critters 3. Mm, <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Critters 3, uh, The Boy's Life, uh, leading into What's Eating Gilbert Grape yep. and, you know, yep. all the good stuff. Just check out so, a couple of episodes of Growing Pains towards the end of that series run. He came in and he. Yeah. He's like just a a baby child on there. Just just so you can get a reference of holy shit, look at baby Leo, and then watch the progression grow up. I think it's gonna. The first time I saw just a snippet.
snippet of him on Growing Pains, I was like, holy fuck. And I watched yeah. Growing Pains on during its run. I had no fucking idea who Leonardo DiCaprio was. Nobody knew right. that kid was going to go on to be this guy. It was like the same thing with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was on there. Yeah. Nobody's like fucking like, come on, who are these guys? And yeah, and then they go on to do a film together. It's fucking amazing. It just That's how Hollywood is. That's how the miracle of this thing works. Two kids on Growing Pains grow go up to be huge movie stars and start a movie together fucking crazy it's so great man it's so great the talent is crazy um i don't know if i know who's your favorite actor my favorite actor jesus that's a hard one man um because i'm very i'm very open with you know freaking you you know what you you know know what i i'm a nicholson fan i am but i have to tell you I think my overall favorite actor is fucking Michael Keaton. I really think so. And I'm not just talking for Batman. I mean, if you go back and you watch the the fucking The Founder, Birdman, Beetlejuice, Night Shift, some of his early comedies and shit, and then he goes into some... There's some movies where he's a fucking psycho stalker and, and like, like, I mean... Yeah, if you go back and watch his body of work, because most people just thought, oh, he's a comedian. He's this like goofy right. comedian guy. But then he transitioned into, okay, he played Batman in The Dark Knight. And then he like went into all these dark drama roles and he was fucking just killing it. And you re- and then, of course, Dope Sick recently and we're seeing the big resurgence lately with all of him and all of his. I really think Michael Keaton is my favorite actor. I watch everything he's been in. I love everything he's been. I haven't even Johnny Dangerously, which I'm like, what the fuck? Or I think that was it. That was him. Um, he did, if not, he did a movie similar to that. Uh, it's just yeah, even that crazy stuff. I fucking there. I haven't seen a single movie that I don't like that he's been in. I think he's just a phenomenal actor. So um, yeah, and then of course Hugh Jackman's right up there too. I think Hugh's another no, phenomenal actor. But yeah, overall. I'm glad you brought that up. I think oh, maybe maybe we need to do a favorite Michael Keaton list, our top five favorite Michael Keaton movies. Because man, right? that'd be fucking tough for me, but I'd do it. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's not ignore Leo. Let's hey, get hey, back hey, to Leo. Never Come on, ignoring Leo. <laughs> never, never, ever, ever. Um, number five for me might be a controversial pick because I don't know if a lot of people liked it, but I really love the book, and I didn't mind his interpretation of the book because honestly, when I think of big hotshot movie actor i think of a character that he portrayed in the great gatsby where he played basically who he was obviously the center of attention throwing all of these elaborate parties i feel like that's who he is anyway so i felt like it was a very easy way for him to just slip into that role and then plus him with his childhood best friend toby i mean they're so close and i love their dynamic together and that was a like a a resurgence for toby because nobody had seen him for a while yeah quite a while um, yeah in anything um so but I really enjoyed it because, you know, that time period and that book and just to, the everlasting love story of just, you know, trying to get back with that one person who you feel like you may never get back with. I'm a sucker for that. 
Um, and I mean, of course, all the party scenes, the the cinematography, I loved everything about it. So I know it gets a lot of hate, but I enjoy The Great Gatsby. So that's why I put it on my list. Number five. Well, there you go. There you go. And my number five is a, sort of along the same line, him playing a, a movie star and, and basically himself again uh, in this role and, and then kind of hitting a little turbulent section and rising back up, which Leo did himself. And um. So, yeah, it just made sense to me. And this is the one I was talking about, where the two little boys on Growing Pains grow up and make a movie together. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which, of course, Brad Pitt and uh, our, our buddy, our, our the man, the myth, the legend, Spencer Garrett. Uh, just a really fucking great film. I love Hollywood. I love old Hollywood. I love anything that has to do with old school Hollywood and old school filmmaking. And this movie, of course, takes place in that era. It's Sharon Tate and all the all the beautiful stuff of old Hollywood. And um, from top to bottom, this is a love story to to cinema. It's a love story to Hollywood and. And yet it's got all the craziness and all the wackiness uh, uh, of a Quentin Tarantino film. You know, he literally changes history. Newsflash, Sharon didn't die. What? What the fuck? Manson didn't kill her? No! Um, I mean, you know, it's just a crazy out there movie, but... I, I loved every second of it. Leo is brilliant in it. He's fantastic playing a guy that's trying to make this comeback, trying to, like, navigate Hollywood. And, you know... um. Yeah, I just Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate. Whew, oh my gosh! I mean, come on. Uh, it's fuck. It's just a great movie, and it, it, it's you know. And I, unlike you, am not like a huge Leo fan. I'm not. But these movies that I have on my list, he just fucking slayed in. Like he's brilliant in all of these movies that I have on my list. So, and this one included Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, my number five. Yes, so good, man. So good. And I won't hold it against you for saying that last comment, but it's okay. I can't even repeat the word. <laughs> hey, I, it's can't not even... as bad as my cruise. It's not as bad as that. I, I, I give... I, I, I Even give, though you love Tom Cruise movies. And this is kind of the same thing with Leo. I'm not a huge fan of Leo, but I like all of his movies. So it's just... Well, and it's know. the same thing, I feel like, with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. You don't like the, the, the names. I no, what? Like. No, the no, 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 no. I... Uh, Pitt, I'll give you Pitt. It's kind of the same thing with Brad Pitt. But Clooney, it's just a fucking... I don't like any... Uh, none of it. No, I, I can't... I can't <laughs> watch of any of it because of the fucking bobblehead. I, if he could just stop the bobblehead, I might get past all that. But it's the fucking bobblehead. I just can't get past. I just can't do it. <laughs> I think it's a tick that only you notice because I've never noticed it. So <laughs> like, I'm not the only one who has called it out. I have seen other people call it out. He does this kind of thing when he's just ah. anyway let's go let's go anyway uh, <laughs> number four for me goes to blood diamond Ooh. which is a really interesting story and it came out around the same time as the departed um this is very interesting because it's about a basically a smuggler who goes over to like i forget africa or south africa or one of those places and basically tries to find a diamond so he can bring it back and of course make a lot of money and but i think the dynamic that him and that guy that we always butcher his name uh dijman Hansu. yeah um, yeah yeah everybody knows his face but doesn't know how to pronounce his name um <laughs> but it's a great movie because like i mean it's action it's adventure it's the chase it's one of those things and i know a lot of people 
bash his because I, I think he plays like an australian or something like yeah, that yeah and everybody bashes his accent i didn't think it was that bad so get off his tip okay it's <laughs> fine um but yeah man i really enjoy blood diamond um just something about leonardo dicaprio films freaking they always last like three hours i know but I know. you know they're always good they're always good in my opinion so yeah number four blood diamond i'm gonna put one of these on while i'm editing this show tonight Dang. so i mean i just know that i don't know which one yet but i'm gonna put one of these on well my number four it, it speaks to what we were talking about at the top of the show in industry news and it speaks to the brilliance of and then and then the ignoring of and then how does it all happen and if I'm not mistaken, it's getting a re-release this the, the, yeah. right now. They Warner Brothers announced that they're re-releasing it right now. I am talking about Inception, a brilliant movie by Christopher Nolan that was completely fucking ignored. <laughs> like, just they weren't recognizing his brilliance yet. But this movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, top of his game in this thing. I mean, he's spot on in this. Uh, everybody in this film is brilliant in this film. But it's the film. That is just like, what am I watching right now? What is reality? What is not reality? Is that thing spinning? Is it not spinning? Like, where are we got? It's one of the most well-crafted, make-you-think movies that I've ever seen. And DiCaprio pulls it off brilliantly. You believe his character. You believe what he's going through you believe that he believes what he is going through and i think that's the key to this film if if you don't buy into the character and what they're going through and what they think is happening you don't buy into the film and so the cast was critical in this film and i think that leo just slays it you you buy in you're all in on his journey throughout this film and it leaves you guessing at the end it's like it? and then you know so um i don't want to spoil it because it's being re-released and if anybody hasn't seen it go fucking watch it and you'll have an opinion i promise you you'll walk out thinking something um yeah just i think it's tenant i think it's tenant that's being re-released oh is it uh well yeah. either way tenant's really fucking fantastic too well i wish they should re-release inception then because inception is freaking brilliant um why okay they'll they'll just re-release them all I'll re-release it. Just we'll we'll have a watch party. Come watch it with me. It'll be fantastic. It'll be amazing. Um. Anyway, my number four. Thank you for clarifying because I would have been all excited to go see Inception and then not find it fucking anywhere. I'll just find it wherever I can and watch it. Um. Yeah. Just uh, Inception, guys. It's a brilliant movie. It's a great Leo role, and uh, I think you're just gonna really love my number four, Inception. Yes, yes. My number three goes to um, a babier Leo, um, and he's teaming up with one of the best actors of all time, Tom Hanks. And of course, I'm talking about Catch Me If You Can, another three-hour-long Leonardo DiCaprio pick. Um, Of course, this one's about a con man who is basically trying to avoid the law with um, writing bad checks and like all this crazy shit um i just this is another chase movie and it's based off of a true story this person actually existed um i don't want to give too much away but the way that he was able to interpret this real life person and be able to show that on screen and make his character interesting because you know that type of role i feel like the audience could interpret him as like, you know, a little shit who's just trying to get over on people. But then like people will still like very eager to see 
him get away from everybody. They mm -hmm. love the catch and the chase, like that type of dynamic. And then at the end of it, you know, actually when he gets caught, goes and works for the FBI. Um, that type yeah. of thing. But yeah, because he's I, fucking I brilliant. Was, yeah. Yeah. It's like a mastermind. Um, but Catch Me If You Can is a great film. If you guys have not checked that out, please do so. Um, just so good, man. So good. Baby Leo um, at number three. Catch Me If You Can. Yes. A nice little cameo by fucking Jennifer Garner in there. There's a lot of people that pop in and out of that film. You'll be like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Um, my number three, I know you probably want it on your list, but I put it on my list because I think we both agree it's a brilliant fucking Leo film. It's also a brilliant fucking Matt Damon film, a brilliant Jack Nicholson film. It's a brilliant yeah, everybody film. <laughs> uh, this is another one where the casting director should have fucking gotten nominated. But my anyway, The, um, the Departed. The Departed is a classic story about uh, you either go one way or the other when you're an Italian kind of a guy. You either become a mafia thug or you become a cop. And then there's the story of the battle within and all the kind of stuff. And, of course, it, it's got Whitey Bulger. Jack Nicholson is is a version of Whitey Bulger, the real-life kind of a um, thing. Uh, this movie is... is, is it's straight-up gangster. It's Scorsese at his best. It's Leo at his best. It's all these characters all these actors pulling off these brilliant characters and the and and the constant battle of a Scorsese film good versus evil who's going to win out and you and Scorsese does a brilliant job storytelling where you feel empathy for the bad guys you want kind of the bad guys to win they're not bad guys they're just doing these things because this is the path that they went on this is the wrong turn that they made and you don't want to he does a really brilliant job in my opinion of of crafting bad guys in a way that you root for them which is hard to do sometimes but he's a master at it and he always puts my boy leo in in those type roles where <laughs> you want to hate the motherfucker but you end up loving him and it's like you know it's like all right okay fine i guess i'm gonna root for this guy i don't want to but i can't help it i, I want to um it's just a really brilliant film uh another long one obviously um but yeah i i think this is a dark gritty nice pretty much there's some action in it but it's really a dialogue driven drama that's hardcore and um if you guys haven't checked this one out and especially if you're like like gangster movies or like real life stories because it's based on true life um brilliant film brilliant film my number three the departed Yes, yeah, so good, so good. I was so pissed that you finished your list before I. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, number two, we could just agree on. We were there was no way either one of us was skipping this from the list because you know. Yeah, yeah, but I know you're just gonna say this was just a basically interpretation of another movie. Blah 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 blah. Well, but no, but the it. but the 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 difference in this though, and it's so funny because uh, a lot of the my list. They're based, and even you would catch me if you can and stuff. They're based on real life people. He yeah. has a he has a tendency to lean towards a lot of roles where he's playing real life people. So I know my comparison is always to Wall Street. Wall Street, in my opinion, is the epitome of Wall Street and and that type life and the people who live that life, etc. But that was a based on a fictional character. Gordon Gecko was a fictional character in the Wolf of Wall Street, which is our number two. It's a real guy. It, it, mm -hmm. it, this guy really did this it really happened and so i think that's why i'll always make the comparison that if you're trying to tell the story of how evil 
Wall Street is and the good and the bad and the, the turmoil that people ride the roller coaster up and down in, Wall Street epitomizes that. But this film shows that through the eyes of a real man. And you can't beat that. This movie is brilliant at that. And it also does a really good job of, and I think a better job in this film than Wall Street does, of the people around the people who work on Wall Street and how it fucks their lives as much as it does the person on Wall Street. And this film does a brilliant job of that. Yeah, and I mean, so many people who you saw for the first time, like John Bernthal, Margot Robbie... I mean, we saw the team up of um, Jonah Hill and Leo. And I mean, it was so good. Yeah, with him playing uh, Jordan Belfort. Yep. yep. Um, I I was obsessed with this movie for so long because, I mean, it it's one big party and one big, you know, like everlasting, I guess you can say, orgasmic thriller that you feel like is a nonstop roller coaster that gets you to this place of like, utter nirvana i guess you could say yeah um but to the point where like it also does a good job of showing the downfall as well because of everything they were doing was highly illegal not just the drugs not the party but the penny stocks overselling them and of course losing so many investors investments um but i just yeah everything about this film so freaking good such a great asked man but yeah i mean wolf of wall street both of our number two um i definitely think i want to go back and watch american hustle because i think american hustle was overshadowed by this film if Mm. that makes sense yeah because they came out around the same time and they're they they were kind of the trailers depicted them as being similar even though um american hustle like was set in like the 70s or the 80s or something like that this was set in like the 90s um but yeah i want to go back and watch that one because wolf of wall street completely overshadowed american hustle uh yeah Um, and you know i i mean i'm just gonna say it we keaton and i'm sticking by keaton but the other guy that i would continuously keep in the conversation every time you ask me is fucking johnny bernthal the guy is yeah. fucking brilliant, and I've said it time and time again. Anything that he's in, I will watch because he steals the scenes of every time he's in a scene, he steals it. He He's just a brilliant actor from, from just top to bottom. Um, you're right. This was a phenomenal cast. <laughs> I mean, and how it came together, just like, whew, so good, man, so good. I loved it. I loved it. Um, well, number one for me goes to gangs of new york um i believe this was the first teaming of scorsese and leo um i just really enjoyed this one because you got cameron diaz you have freaking um daniel day lewis and so many others and of course it's set in the 1800s and it deals with the five points the five boroughs of new york city while you know their new york is trying to become itself it's right after you know, the uh, the American dream mm-hmm. happened and like all of the settlers are still there and people who are native to America are fighting. The people who are um, immigrants are still, you know, <laughs> trying to um, basically claim their area. I just feel like, you know, this is that constant battle of, like you said, good versus evil. And this was loosely based off of a real person who everybody believed to existed which was bill the butcher yeah who was kind of like 
the mayor, also like a gang leader, and like all of these different things. Uh, Daniel Day Lewis did an amazing performance. In Always, that. but I think at this point, when this film came out, and when he, when Leo joined the cast of legends like Scorsese and Daniel Day Lewis, that's when the industry started taking him more seriously. Yeah, like okay, this guy, this guy is here to stay. He takes this shit seriously. He's not all about the fame and the glamour. He is, but he is also a very method actor and very like committed to his craft. Um, I absolutely love this film. Everything about it is so damn good. Um, I remember what I probably watched this movie when I was way too young. I was probably like eight or nine the first time I watched this movie. And that's probably when I should have told myself, hey, you're going to be a filmmaker because you can sit down and comprehend this film when you're this young. Like this is obviously important to you. Um, but yeah, Gangs of New York, it's always been my favorite. Again, another like three and a, three hour long film, but it's so damn good. Number one for me, Gangs of New York. There you go. Uh, my number one, again, a, a really long movie. <laughs> um, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's a brilliant teaming once again. And uh, look, it, in hands down, my favorite performance ever of Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he absolutely, you said method, he absolutely encapsulates and becomes Howard Hughes. I'm talking mm-hmm. about The Aviator. I'm a huge history buff. I'm also a huge Wall Street guy. I'm a huge Hollywood guy. For anybody, Howard Hughes was all of that. He was at one point the richest man in the world. He was uh, behind a number of, he wanted to be the biggest guy in Hollywood and make big motion pictures and huge blockbusters. And he was the one who discovered Jane Russell uh, and and was behind the making of the push-up bra. And then he was huge into aviation and, of course, had the big, the Hercules, the biggest plane ever made and nobody thought it could fly and he fucking got it off the ground and proved them wrong. And, like, this guy, and then, of course, he's the first out there, wacko, eccentric, rich guy who basically becomes a fucking hermit. Nobody see lives in a fucking hotel in Vegas and nobody's allowed to fucking see him. And, like, like the man's life was extraordinary. And Leo, he takes it from that wild playboy with no issues whatsoever and rides that train through the fucking start to go batshit crazy, the phobia of germs, the fucking relentless cleaning of himself, the all of a sudden he's not wanting to be seen in public and he's like, he's taking on fucking, you know, the the, the Congress because everybody thinks he's a communist and, and like all this, Leo... The way he portrayed Howard Hughes, and and there's not a second that you watch that movie where you fucking hate Howard Hughes. Because a lot of people Mm. did. He was a very controversial man in his life. But you, like I was talking about earlier, I think the brilliance of Scorsese, the brilliance of Leo, is they make you feel for the guy even when he's doing some really shitty stuff. And and because Howard Hughes wasn't always a nice man, <laughs> like he, he had some issues, but you never not felt for him throughout this entire film. And 
I, I just I've seen this film numerous times. It, it it's one of my all time favorite films. I think everything about it, the directing, the acting, the cinematography, the production design, the cast, fucking everything is brilliant about this film. And every time I see it, I'll watch it. I'll stop and watch it. Um, but yeah, I I was it, I was. I, I, I'll just say it. I mean, like, I was blown away. I was shocked that DiCaprio did not get a nomination for this thing. Like, he was all in on Howard Hughes. All in. It was just so brilliant. Um, And, yeah, I just, I'm shocked by it. So, my number one, The Aviator. And you know what I'm just noticing? <laughs> He's like, it's not on either one of our lists. It's the fucking movie that he actually finally won the Oscar for, The Irrevenant. It's not on either one of our lists. I haven't seen it. I know you said you've only seen it once. I have only seen it once. It's, in my opinion, it's not the one he should have won the Oscar for. There's numerous other things he should have won. In my opinion, The Aviator, he should have won the fucking Oscar for. This movie, I mean, maybe you give the guy the Oscar because he actually got inside a dead fucking animal. I mean, you know, make hey, kudos, yeah. bro. That's like method right there. But <laughs> I mean, I, for me, it's just I don't know. I mean, it was an okay movie. I wasn't like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever seen. And Leo's I off. I, I still need to watch. I think it should have been Wolf of Wall Street. Um, but that was the year Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club won. So I mean, makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, so many good Leonardo DiCaprio films. He's been around the block quite a few times. For and, sure got snubbed again this year but i mean he's not used to that by the academy for some reason the academy doesn't really like him they don't <laughs> it's like winning yeah I, um, I just again this this guy in my opinion and i'm not a fan but in my opinion every time he's in a movie he should probably be dominated because he just knocks yeah. it out of the park every time so how he's not getting just he should be the susan lucci of the oscars like where she's like yeah. it's just a given that you're nominated every fucking year it, it should just exactly. be I don't know. The guy because deserves ninety percent of the films that he does are Oscar worthy. Yeah, I mean the yeah. last one that he did that I didn't think was was Don't Look Up. Yeah, um, and yeah. I mean, you know, that one was just everywhere. But I mean, not to say that it wasn't a good movie. But I, what he chooses and what his agency, I'm assuming CAA chooses for him, um, is basically Oscar worthy. That's why he does it. I mean, he is a part of the conversation almost every year. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes yeah. sense, but yeah, man, that is our top five this week. Please let us know. What is your favorite Leonardo DiCaprio film? If we didn't list it, be sure to comment below and let us know. <laughs> we love the fan interaction. It's always so good, man. That's right. So good. That's right. Did you um, like the irrelevant? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Did you like it? We don't know. Come at us. Know. Why didn't we have it on our lists? Like, you know. Exactly, exactly. Uh now heading over to the box office recap. This week, number one was Mean Girls with eleven point six. Number two was The Beekeeper with eight point six. Number three, Wonka still holding strong with six point seven. Number four, migration with five point four. And number five, anyone but you with yes. five point four as well. Um new movies coming out this week are Totem. The Underdogs, uh, Alienoid, The Return to the Future, American Star, and A Case for Love. Um, those are coming out in select cinemas near you. And Junction. Sure check out your local. Can I just throw Junction. that one out there? Junction. And the, the we might be interviewing somebody, that the creator of that film, with uh, Sophia Bush. And uh, like that that's coming out in theaters th this week. 
Look at I think nice, it's I, yeah. Nice, I want to nice. say it's called Junction. Look it up real quick. Sophia Bush. It's got Josh Peck well, in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's the creator, but yeah. Um, no, uh, I think he is. I think he's like the man behind it all. Oh, he is. He did write it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. I hope that works out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I saw that it was coming out this week, and it's in limited, so I didn't leave it. I didn't put it on the list, but I was like, wait a minute, we might be talking to this guy. Fingers crossed, y'all, because I think it'll be an epic interview if if it happens. I really hope so. Yeah, because you said uh, Sophia Bush, and then Josh um, Peck, and Josh Peck's in it. Uh, Dishna Palko from yep. Orange Is New Black. Griffin Dune from This Is Us. Yeah, dude, um, like a lot of people, man uh hill harper from good doctor yeah like yeah god i really hope so um anyway <laughs> movie you can still go see right now origin with johnny b yes um, the boys in the boat the port uh port things night swim and the color purple uh the id pros top trending segment uh the top trending movie is Saltburn. people can't get enough of it week. um and it that that's trailer looked out there so i was like eh eh um, yeah it's out the there top trending tv show is true detective <laughs> and the top trending star is uh barry coagan for being out there that's correct correct oh um. my goodness but anyway guys thank you so much for tuning in to episode 247 of the cap podcast we appreciate you and we got to thank our guest one more time siddharth sharma for coming on the show yes. be sure to follow him on instagram and all the good places please 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 and of course be sure to follow the company on social media at crazy ant media the podcast is at it cap podcast anywhere and everywhere and of course our other podcast everything's okp a new episode just came out about our 2024 mental health goals yeah so be sure to check that out we have a couple amazing episodes lined up for that one so be sure to stay tuned for all of those yes and you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media myself at j logan austin and at crazy ant ceo that's right buddy that's right be sure to subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, radio podbean stitcher and so much more and be sure to visit our website with all of our merchandise and remember it's 20 percent off right now at www.crazyantmedia.com yes um but yeah man i'm super excited about oscar season like i said already started i mean this i feel like this year probably i've seen the most that i have so far than previous years um before the nominations came out so i'm i would say i've probably seen around at least 50 percent 60 yeah 50 60 percent of the film so i'm excited about this year well that's because for the first time in a few years the majority of the films that were actually nominated were in the theaters and available to see you know for the for a few years of a stretch there you couldn't they weren't anywhere to be seen so it was like well fuck how do we see these things so yeah it felt good to get back into the theaters and go shit we can watch all these movies and it's gonna be fantastic and yeah i'm pumped you know we love the oscar season man we we're, we plan on being on that stage one day and hearing the name red and 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 we're super excited we love it every year to be able to celebrate fellow filmmakers and to celebrate the craft and just everything about the industry that we love and uh you know it's the, my favorite time of year man it, it's just yeah just seeing the best of the best who doesn't love that who doesn't love to see the best of the best man it's so good it's so good and speaking of the best of the best <laughs> the one the only Oprah!